hello and welcome to another episode of the Storied Arcs podcast. I am your host, Mike. And I'm your co-host, Alex. And today we are diving into Not All Robots, but before we get into uh, the story and the analysis, we wanted to do two more creator shout-outs. Isn't that right? Yeah, we wanted to, uh, kind of an oversight on, on our part in the, uh, the Zero episode when we, we started to get into... Uh, not all robots. As we transitioned out of talking about the Flintstones, obviously the, the writer Mark Russell and, and, and artist Mike Diotta Jr. We mentioned them, but we did want to mention um, the colorist Lee Lawfridge, uh, who um, has been doing this for thirty plus some odd years. Did a ton of DC Vertigo work. Um, I know him mainly from from Fables, um, but he also did uh, like Hellblazer, Why the Last Man. Uh, he also did Gotham Central over at DC. Um, some recent books like The Good Asian and Deadly Class. He's been coloring forever. He's he's doing so much, and and I think we'll we'll definitely be talking about the color palette in this book. Uh, so I wanted to make sure we shout him out. Um, and then also the letterer Steve Wands. Um, mainly mentioning him because uh, he is the letterer for all of Jeff Lemire's work. So we we mentioned him back when we talked about um, talked about uh, the underwater welder. So that's just the uh, the, the the full. Full creative team there want to make sure we give them the the the, the full, full proper credit and uh and the shout outs. Yeah. Wouldn't have it without them. And the coloring in particular is I mean, just it seems like intuitive for most colorists, but in this book, it's very easy to keep track of your setting just oh, yeah, with the color. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you know I when you definitely... switch cities, you know, you when you yeah. switch uh honestly, like there's a difference in the coloring when there's people in the room versus yeah, well, when it's robots in the room. Uh, absolutely absolutely we'll we'll, we'll get into that but also i think in general when we talk about how we we've transitioned now specifically out of out of just reading two ish two volumes of the flintstones into this book you know we're talking about um the flintstones was was super colorful you know chris chuckery did a uh uh it's very 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 bright very very cartoonish intentionally so meant to jump off the page this book here what what lawfridge has done with the art uh, with, with the, the colors, it, it's much more muted. It's much more uh, it's uh, desaturated. And... Absolutely so, absolutely so. And I think that's meant to to evoke different moods. While you know, both of these books are 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 satire commentary on our world. The Flintstones were, albeit they were in the Stone Age. There's a there's kind of a almost like a utopic feel to it. Like this is this is what's right. you know this is a a, a a a fantasy view of the world versus where we are not our robots, which where we said in 2056. So only just 30 some odd years in the future. Yeah. It, it, it's um, meant to be a very I've got a a, comments on that. Yeah. A, a, a very dour, <laughs> um, uh, a, a very dour look on, on, on a future dystopia. So yeah, you get that desaturated, very muted color palette. Um, and I, I think it, it, it makes for an interesting tone when you open the book up and, and you, and you, how it hits your eyes, your, I think it puts you in the immediately puts you in the mindset of kind of what the what the feel and what the vibe is going to be. I think that's the word I'm looking for, vibe. So, yeah, I mean, and, and there are it's amazing to me the difference in these books because we went from Flintstones, which you know, obviously the bright and colors, but also Mark Russell's voice, which that was more of a periodical style, whereas this is serialized. Yes. You know, yeah. This, this is. Yes, yeah. You don't give someone issue three of Not All Robots and yeah. say, "Here, enjoy this book." Whereas yeah. issue three of the Flintstones, I don't remember which one that was. You could just hand them any single issue. Yeah. 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 And and it would work on its own. Uh, not the case here. Heavily serialized. Yeah. 
and actually, really, yeah, it, it actually has like a narrative structure to it, you know? Right, right. So I, I and I was looking at this. So I'm reading. Uh, well, at the moment, I have the, the, the single issues to trade, and I have it digitally. I'm holding the the um, physical one here, and I always read uh, mostly for amusement the classification above the barcode, you know, for like Barnes <laughs> sure. and Noble. Yeah, and this one says sci-fi slash satire. First of all, I've never been at a bookstore where there's a satire section. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe like a broad humor shelf. But that as the secondary category, it's not like there's a subset of sci-fi that's satire. Anyway, uh, I, I was amused by that. And as I was reading this, I was like, I think I would describe this as like a parable, basically. This mm. is, it's, you're not really, uh, now maybe I'm a sociopath for saying this, but you're not really supposed to connect with any particular character or even be rooting for any particular character, the characters are kind of props for the satire for the story. Uh, I mean, and the maybe, story has a point. Maybe the two children. Maybe maybe it was Sven and Sven uh, and Cora and and Cora. Yeah, may, maybe the again kind of goes back to the idea that what we we mentioned over in, in Flintstones how like Pebbles is like the one like sensible character, the one who knows what seems to know what's going on, asking the right questions, has the right perspective on things. Uh, very similar here, the kids are. But I, I'm with you. That's an interesting classification, though. Um, because yeah, it's satire it, it definitely is satire, but I think oh yeah, it's it's I, no less than satire. But, but, yeah. but I think I think maybe because it is so narrative driven, um, and and it's 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 very it's much more specific on terms of what it's aiming at. You I, I don't know. I like that though. I like that. Parable. I mean, you can you can chew on. It. I mean, it's not a yeah. common form that people talk about anymore. Is the parabolic yeah. style? But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because I mean, Flintstones, I, because, because Flintstones like was, an was an anthology. Method, yeah, right? because Flintstones was like an anthology. It wasn't real narrative style. It, it was just satiring a bunch of different things. It was scattershot, pick and choose, whatever it was. Right, um, and they're so it, three storylines. Yeah, and that's, that's they like all kind of resolve. That's like writing an, 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 an like one single essay, one op-ed here. Take this, 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 and this. Versus here, yeah, where it's the whole structure of it, the whole narrative story, narrative structure of of. The the plot beats, story beats, everything about it is is meant to reflect a very specific meaning and time, time and place. So no, I, well, I like and, that. That's and in Flintstones, I think the other wrinkle is that in Flintstones, on any page you open, I can tell you who the good guy is, and if there's an antagonist or a bad guy, I can tell you who that is. It's yeah, it's pretty clear. And here, uh, you know, I object to things that Slicetron says. <laughs> but I'm not sure Megan is entirely correct about everything yeah. mm-hmm. and crush Lord, the host like also has. Fl- so it's like, yeah. uh, I guess cause I'm a human. I naturally gravitate more toward Megan's position, uh, because she's pointing out the absurdity of the ruling class, yeah. uh, you know, which we'll get into all of that, but I don't think it's crystal clear. Like when, when they're at home with the family and, the dad is patronizing, saying, like, you know, we got to support our robot and, you know, cheer him on mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure he had a good day, prepare an oil bath for him or whatever. Uh, and the rest of the family is like a downer on it. I'm like, it, surely he's not the villain here, even though I can see what he's doing, especially in terms of the allegory. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's not my favorite, but uh, I also think no one else is really being helpful either yeah. and you know no one else has a compelling story uh 
the like the compelling story is not a particular character's journey. It's the setting and kind of the commentary being baked onto our current world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, even then throughout the story, then it, it flips even further because now we're talking about humans versus robots and then it becomes robots versus newer robots. You know, well, so, while so, still being against humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah, but yeah I mean, the, the, uh, the idea that that if you think you're supposed to sympathize with the humans for having been replaced by the robots, then right. are you then now supposed to sympathize with the robots who replace the humans who are now themselves being replaced by newer, more you know, better, newer, improved robots? You know, yeah. they they are now in the position that. They have been put in the position that they put humans in. So, yeah, th- th- there is this constant juxtaposition of, of of if as you're reading the book through and you're because I'm going to presume no one listening to this is a robot. If you are, apologies. But I'm assuming everyone listening is a human that you would then you're right. Naturally aside, you, you're going to you're going to start your viewpoint, right? Agreeing with the humans or or, or seeing it from there, seeing the absurdity right. from from their side. And then then they they then flip that on you and be like, okay, well then, you know, uh, what happens when now the robots, that ruling class are now being replaced the same way, you know, are, are you putting your, you know, are you, are you meant to empathize with them? Do they become more of the good guy or protagonist, less of an antagonist? Does it, does that even matter? Those lines all get blurred. Everything gets real mucky um, intentionally. So, you know, it's meant to, meant to throw you off like that. Um, so yeah, I like the idea that it, it is it is this kind of like extended parable. Yeah, I mean, and and the theme, uh, if I'm going to run with my own notion here, the theme of the parable is about resentment uh, and mutual resentment and how unproductive it is. Uh, and there were there were two quotes that came to mind as I was thinking on this theme. I'm just going to drop them now, and we'll see if they come up later. Uh, the first one. And I cannot find the definitive source on this. It's attributed all the way back to St. Augustine, uh, but I can't verify that. There's also more modern attributions. Uh, But the quote that I've used many, many times in my life is that resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And I mean, that's not all robots in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone is bottled up, suppressed resentment. Um. And, uh, you know, the humans resent the robots, the robots resent the humans, then they resent the newer robots and uh, also resent the humans Yeah, who also resent the humans. Right. And um, it causes everyone to get territorial. And that's I mean, the problem that that Mark Russell's addressing. The second quote is from uh, Dale Carnegie. uh, And he said, our fatigue is often caused not by work but by worry, frustration, and resentment. And uh, when you think of, um, now I'm, I'm blanking on the family's robot. Uh, it's Razorball. Razorball, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That's his, yeah. His, his original name. Right. Razorball, as we learn, is very frustrated with his work, not satisfied in his employment or for feeling fulfilled or anything like that. Um, and it's not the work itself, at least not at first, uh, but it's his worry, frustration, and his resentment uh, that's growing inside of him that poisons every other part of his life. And you can even tell when he's talking to his friend about like a robot uprising at work. And he comes home and he's like, hey, how was work? He was, and he sees that Orlando is wiped out. He's like, actually, it wasn't that bad today. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so how many times did you laugh out loud when you were um, uh, I, I Several, several, but um, in kind of a, not like in a, in the Flintstones way where things are like really laugh out loud funny. There's a lot of, I think for me, there were a lot of like, <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of, <laughs> Ooh. yeah, there's a lot of chuckling <laughs> yeah. and a maybe three like real knee slappers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I think for me, there was a lot of, anytime it was a, a big laugh, there was kind of an immediate pullback. You're like, Ooh, like that's, yeah, I, I that's funny. I get that. But that's also like, like that's, that's really pointed, really specific. Um, and maybe a little dark, maybe a lot Which dark. I actually think that's one of the great magic tricks of Chris Chuckery's work in the Flintstones is that I think some of those were actually really dark if you sit on them for a while. Yeah. But you had yeah. the bright colors to distract mm-hmm, you and you, mm-hmm. t- you know, you just kept moving. And yeah. then the story, you know, would release it. There would be, yeah. you know, the theme of Fred treating his daughter in a sexist way, getting called on it. And then you move on and it never comes up again. Yeah. And uh, it's like, oh, that would kind of made me squirm a little bit, but it's yeah. over and we're not coming back to it. Because we're robots. Because the, 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 the next panel, the next page, there's some great sight gag or some funny sign that, that right. Steve Puget or whatever it is. Yeah, the, the, that's just such a barrage of, of input there um, that a, a lot of, you know, you, you get some big monologues, maybe they hit. And then, yeah, next panel, like a sight gag, you know, like someone gets eaten by a dinosaur or whatever it is. You know, there, there's something funny there. Yeah. But not all robots is is um, you're sitting with those. You're sitting with those moments that are kind of funny and then really dark and then and there's yeah there's no escape so the the biggest laugh from me was when they finally get their new robot the family does and it looks like grandma (laughs) and you find out that they he couldn't afford the ad free version i i absolutely (laughs) lost it and i needed that so bad at that point in the story yeah i was just gonna say that it comes at a perfect time where where you, you're, you, your interests I, I, seem to include yeah. death and hope. So for the next five seconds, receive it 20% off on all cryogenic freezing. Cryogenics, it turns death into a snap, into a nap. Yeah. Say yes to purchase. Um, well, I mean, we're, we're, this is 30 years in the future, which he did not buy himself a lot of runway with here. He did not. He did we're not. We're not no. 30 years away from that. No, uh, no, it, you it, know, it, it, it's, it's, it is very much a back to the future situation. When, when we're oh, talking yeah. about going, going, yes, you know, yes, how, yes. how many years in the future and be like 30 years seems like a long time, but it really isn't in the grand scheme of things. Not that far, but my but, shoes uh, still do not tie themselves at the same time, though. I, I, I think part of that is he, I think they wanted to, they, I, they clearly didn't want to throw it so far in the future, like 21, 22, where there's no <laughs> recognizable, like human infrastructure i think and so i think you're kind of caught in this weird spot of it 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 still wants to feel relatable you know right Um, and and to be clear the difference is the the robot thing back to the future i think meant for it to be like this is what we think it'll be like in 2015 yeah 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 this is like okay this is like a ghost of christmas future thing it's like if we keep going this way it actually could be this in 30 years and that's true that's a good point. Um, so they, they, this is like this is like the, the he's not saying this is what the thirty years is going to be. He's like saying this is like the worst case scenario of the thirty right, years in the future. Right. Okay. This that's is a good yeah. Point. If okay. this is Ebenezer Scrooge continues on his ways, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, okay. I use that uh, that uh, analogy a lot because it's just 
one of the greatest storytelling devices ever invented. And speaking of storytelling devices, I, we're all over the place, but I got a lot of notes here. If we compare the evolution of Mark Russell as a, as a writer here, now we're getting into the first pages of the book. Mm-hmm. Compare the half-hearted framing device that opened Flintstones yeah. with the masterful framing device of talking about or talking about talking bot, talkin', which is talking bot, yeah, yeah, t- supposed to be talking about, yeah, talking uh, bot, yeah. He unloads everything you need about the world building and the te- central tensions in in like three to four pages it's yeah. in like and i didn't feel like condescended to yeah yeah, that, yeah i mean that's my dream like i hate uh like there's uh i just saw someone else talk about this this week did you ever read uh nk jemison's uh broken earth trilogy i have not no okay so they're supposed to be really really great it's my yeah, wife's one of my one of her favorite series she swears i'll love it i've started the first book two times and i get so frustrated because the world building is so slow and you have such a small keyhole to look through i'm like can you just explain to me everything going on and then i can enjoy the story like i can get into it then this progressive revelation of the world building is something that a lot of writers do and most fantasy people love and i just i i can't stand it It, i'm like i I, rip the bandit off give me the jr tolkien He's got the map and the key in the front of the book. Um, You know, show me where it goes. You know, if he mentions some elves or something like that, he'll give you perhaps too long of a history on the elves followed by a song. If he mentions a tree, you'll get four pages on the tree. That's true. Um, But yeah, but, but, but you understand, but at least by that point, by the time you get to the, 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 the diatribe on the tree, you'll understand the world you're in and the situation you're already in. You, you you understand the setting and the world. Right. You're just getting eight pages on on this tree and and the rock next to it. Um, which is fine. But you know, I I I, I agree with you there in that um it it's it from the outside view, the, all of those scenes, you know, which are meant to be we are watching this television show, talking bot, and the people in the world are watching the show, but we're getting all the information we need. And it's, it's right. just, just being given to us. It's just, it's just being forced that here's all your exposition, but because of, because of, I think how clever it's being deployed to us. Um, it doesn't feel that way. It, it really reminds me of going back to paper girls when the four paper girls go into the future and they meet uh, the cartoonist. And they have all these questions about all these foldings and things like that. And all those pages serve is just to tell tell the audience, here's what this time travel is all about. Here's what's happening. It's just you're getting told all this stuff. But because it's presented in a way where specifically Aaron was asking those questions, she was asking the questions the reader had. The right. Same questions. So, so you're and, being told the and things that book know. made us wait until volume four of six. It, it did, but what? But said it was the delivery method that because right. it felt natural to the story, um, it wasn't like a flash. It was like well, like it was flashback. It wasn't insulting it. to the reader. Yeah, I yeah, mean that's so, the big yeah, thing. Yeah, and here it works. I think, I think partially because it is so clever. Um, the idea that we have, you know, this this like. I was going to say absurdist crossfire as if 
crossfire of like crossfire wasn't, wasn't, wasn't <laughs> inherently absurd but you yeah. know you know th- why isn't that, one of them wearing a bow tie that's what yeah. i want to know if 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 oh my god if the robot had been wearing the the uh <laughs> the tucker carlson been? bow tie yeah no no uh, uh the, oh, the, 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 uh, the purple that would have been slicetron or, yeah yeah if, if slicetron <laughs> had been wearing a bow tie that that might have been like a hat on a hat though like that might have been a I little know. bit too far yeah. but but the fact that it, it is in this very over-the-top absurd way and that we are watching and, and a lot of times we are we are reading these panels and then um you know especially later on when we pull out of those panels, we see that the family is watching them, you know, you know, uh, 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 Donnie, the dad, especially is watching, you know, that they're seeing the same things that we're seeing. Um, and yeah, it's it's a very simple way. It's a very funny way, um, to, to get you into the story. I think, yeah. Versus you talk about that, that framing device in the, the opening issue of Flintstones, the, the modern day museum, you know, about how we misinterpret history kind of thing. Um, which felt really, that felt really kind of hackney to me, you know, I think to you as well. It felt very heavy handed. It, it, it didn't quite, it didn't mesh, especially with what came later. The fact that it was only for that first issue um, and, and, and like never revisited, which was probably a good thing. It wasn't revisited, but that also tells me that it probably shouldn't have been there at all to begin with. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, it felt like either he just needed to get his feet wet and start somewhere. And he started with that. It should have just cut it in the the editing room mm-hmm. or it was a meddling studio note or they had not yeah uh, like yeah, yeah. uh hey so and so and the who's not a writer had this idea yeah, uh, yeah by the yeah. way uh challenge to you mark russell if you ever listen to this i would enjoy seeing you uh make a robot tucker carlson arguing <laughs> against humanity and make it so explicit that he sues you for character defamation <laughs> and he has to point to an anti-human robot and say that's me on that page. That would be, uh, uh that'd yeah. be the, the greatest comic move of the century. I, but I feel like that would be so easy to do, and then that, be, and then Carlson would have, he would lack all self awareness that it, like, it wouldn't even be funny. But it, I, it would. It, it, I no, mean, it's, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's for an audience of one, it's for me. Yeah. I'm like, that's <laughs> but, that's who wants it. <laughs> no one else. Great. I would love that. But again, what they presented here. And, and and you know the the running gag that is talking bot. I mean, you know that it's so. Like I, I think it goes back to some of the things we talked about in Flintstones about how some of the commentary, some of the satire is is subtle and it's background stuff. You know, it's maybe something in 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 something that they drew an offhanded thing, and then some of it's like super obvious, right? It's like we're not trying to hide what we're what we're commenting on. We're not trying to hire what we're, we're, what we're skewing. We want to put it on front street and make it very obvious, very, very, very clear to the reader that this is the thing you think it is, you know? And I think something like talking bot and making it that way is meant to be, you're not, you're not meant to think like, well, what, it, what kind of show, what kind of, what kind of, you know, program right. is this, you know, you're not, it, it's meant to be that overt. And I think that's part of what makes it work is the idea that he's not trying to hide anything, you know? You know, it's, it's like right. it, it, be, being so upfront about it, being so overt with it, um, um, allows everyone to be in on it, you know? Exactly. Um, and, and since we're, so I read this series when it came out, as it came out, and then I read it again in trade uh, twice. And like halfway through this time in trade, I was, I was like, you know, the, the name, not all robots, 
clearly riffing on the male Twitter trolls reacting yeah. to Me Too. Yeah, not all men. So we'll we'll get into that. But so much of this feels like um, uh, more of a commentary on race relations in America. Um, like, so to me, like, uh, well, I, I, in, I, I, in the episode of Talking Bot. Ta- is that what you're talking about? Because it, it's humans versus robots, which is like people who look like us, people who don't look like us. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's what you're going with that. Well, I mean, so to an extent. So you have, um, you, you know, the host. uh Crush Lord, Crush say, Lord. while we are in no way happy about the mass suffocation of Orlando, I cannot help but feel like humans are overreacting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, how many white pundits have you seen, uh, you know, whenever there's uh, a riot after an unarmed uh, person of color is killed? And uh, then you have um, uh, Slicetron say, Megan, would you like to use this as a platform? Uh, would you like to use this as a platform to make a calm plea to your fellow mammals? And yeah. Megan says, no. Yeah. Uh, robots can what, murder what? us by thousands anywhere at any moment. How could we possibly not be angry? And Slice of Trust says, well, I mean, murder is a strong term. Yeah. And Crush Lord jumps in with, yeah, sheesh, alleged mur- mass murder. Yeah. <clears throat> to me, that, that all like that's not a conversation about me, too. Right. It, well, I, that one, I think specific. I think you're right there because there, there is the idea of yeah, okay, well, now we've had this incident, quote unquote, incident with the black community. So we are now going to bring on a black pundit to say, hey, uh, you should be telling your people to calm down. They shouldn't be doing right. this. And and right. that happens so often. I, I think you're definitely. It right It never there. happens to white fan bases after a sports game no, when they no, win. No. But but I, and, and so I think that definitely is is. That reaction, that 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 kind of back and forth, I think is is very much in in line with 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 kind of race relations. But still, the idea of like um, even with me too, th- that initial thing of like you know clearly you know it, it's not as bad as what people are saying, right? You know, the, yeah, the, the I mean idea, it's all gaslighting. It, yeah, exactly. And, That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, the idea and, that and it's that, all saying like, how dare you resent me? I'll resent you back, and I'm better yeah. at it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and the, yeah. my favorite was well, my my favorite, the one that made me really cringe, was when there's the riot going on and the robot says, "I mean, we're talking Orlando here. It's not like these people were angels." Yeah, uh, which yeah. is just like straight out of like that is yeah. the pundit textbook of go after the victim. the victim, yeah, yeah, and dig up whatever you can on them and yeah. just convince people like you know you weren't going to live that long anyway. You had a shorter life expectancy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the worst way to die. You know, you didn't suffer. Uh, and it's not like they were good people anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you keep rotating through all those points long enough and you can soothe the conscience of uh, people. By the way, I don't I, I almost tweeted this at Mark Russell. Maybe I will by the time this comes out. How is the user unfriendly T-shirt not like <laughs> the top merch item available on his Twitter bio or, hey, or man, website a- or wherever. AWA's got to get on that merch, right? They got to they, oh they got to get that out there. That I mean, yeah, be, they're only charging that... 10 bucks for all their like all of their trades. I don't know if you noticed mm-hmm. this. Uh I forgot to call this out when we were doing the uh the zero episode, but on the inside cover of uh, Not All Robots, they've got a list of all their major titles and you can see 9.99 all of them. Um just a yeah. beautiful th- like what like which story can you not gamble on for 10 bucks yeah um, what, what, that's why image 
their their number ones are all that way because they want to get people in. They know there's value there. But uh, but yeah, no, it, I mean, you know, get on that merch. People people are going to buy it. Um, because yeah, that's a that'd be a great shirt. Sadly, the wrong people would buy it. Uh, probably, is, probably is my suspicion. Yeah, which is probably, probably right. why it doesn't exist. But yeah, that's probably right. Uh, you know, the wrong people are going to buy wrong stuff anyway, so you might as well get rich, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, the the uh, should we should we go a character by character or just keep going beat by beat? I mean, I I, I don't know the best way to go. I mean, I, that's I, exactly I, how I feel I, because, like, yeah, I then you know the next thing in my note is talking about uh, Razorball, and I feel like you can knock all him out in five minutes. You know, he's yeah the grumpy yeah. worker. Yeah. I I did nervous laugh, but actually laugh out loud. When he storms into his room and the dad's like, hey, buddy, everything all right in there? Everything's fine. Leave. Yeah, leave. So what are you doing? <laughs> what do you need all those weapons for? Yeah. Uh, Snowball is in a play because he, yeah. he has to be called Snowball now. <laughs> and he says, oh, OK, then. And he goes out to his wife who's like begging to get. She's like, this yeah. robot is going to murder us. And he's like, he's in a play. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, I At that point, I can't tell. If the husband is like, we're all going to die. Maybe if we're nice to him, we won't. But there's no reason to alarm everyone. Or if he, there's no way he genuinely believes that he's making all those weapons for a play. I, 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 I don't know. I, I It's I think, like I'm, clearly self willfully deluded. Well, yeah. Well, you know, so, you know, the the way he's, the way he's portrayed, what is it? It's, uh, it's Donnie there. The way that he's portrayed is you know he's the guy that's on that's you know he's on facebook all the, the equivalent of facebook all day you know getting all of his news and just you know he, he's been he's been radicalized um uh, uh, uh into the i, I want to say against his own interest there against humankind there you know he's been he's been radicalized for the robots i think he's meant to be that completely over the top person so i don't I don't think he's meant to be have that self awareness of like this guy's probably going to kill us all, but let's just go with it and delude ourselves. I think he's like, no, he's really trying. You know, I think he's meant to be that oblivious. That's, I think he's, yeah, I think he's which meant to certainly have explains where the kids are. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and they're and his wife as well. Yeah, um, you know. And, and by the way, well. the other thing that my completely scattered notes have uh, highlighted to me in this. Uh, this was the other thing with the, uh, you know, race relations and police brutality was the glitch rate. Yeah. Um, you know, them pointing out like, hey, you know, at any time, one of us could just die when, you know, and and the robots minimize the glitch rate. They're like, look, you're not talking about all the good robots do. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the not all robots line. Yeah. Exactly. It's like yeah, yeah. when they're and, talking and, about the glitch rate. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like sure sure we could we could often kill you but you know what about all the good cops yeah um, exactly it is exactly, exactly you know mm-hmm. the vibe i was getting there mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but yeah no, i think it, it is interesting that he he you know he talks about i mean we'll get to this there's a letter in the back i think it's it's in the back of the collected edition yes um and, and i think it, it was actually included in the back of the first issue um where mark russell has a has a letter talking about you know the 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 origins of the story and yeah it comes from specifically from not all men from the idea of toxic masculinity and i think he he mentions the idea of like um 
he talks about like carjacking, right? It was like, uh, if, right. if, if you're trying to point out, hey, you know, uh, if you're trying to minimize all these cars being stolen by saying, hey, well, what about all the people who aren't stealing cars? You know, right? More people, more people aren't stealing cars than are. So all these cars that have been stolen isn't isn't a big deal. Um, but yeah, he he. Yeah, the, uh, that's the, the exact quote is who would have found their yeah. carjacking by pointing out all the people not stealing cars. Yeah, yeah. So, it, but the idea that him taking, you know, and, and I think what I have in my notes here is it's it's in the same vein. What I wrote is, um, and I think what you're getting at, it's the same vein as all lives matter, you know, as that retort being to, you know, said not all men was the retort to, to me too. All lives matter was report what was the retort to, to black lives matter. And I think right. that's that is what you're seeing there. I think maybe that's just more evident because we're talking about humans and robots and the different kinds of robots, and and it's um, it quite literally is very superficial in terms of what you're seeing. Right. Um, you you can easily graph that on there, but it, I think it's all it, it's like he's taking that that all of that um, resentment, which I think what you said earlier, he's taking all that. And throwing it into one pot, and this is kind of what you're getting out of it. You can see the parallel to to Black Lives Matter, to Me Too. You can see these right. different things, and they're all kind of they're they're all mixed together. Um, and, and maybe I mean, yeah, it just depends on what no your question, experience is. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no question that the robots here are white men in America. Yeah. And sometimes the issue is the whiteness and that privilege. And the other times it's the toxic masculinity. It's the maleness. They're yeah, both yeah. in the crosshairs. Um, and I wonder maybe, maybe, you know, uh, 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 someone else reading this, maybe like specifically a woman reading this would see it coded, would actually see it. Maybe they read it coded more towards me too. Maybe because. And I, I know, got the impression that I was supposed to, I mean, that was what shocked me with his letter is that yeah. I intentionally decided not to read it and color my reading. I wanted to read it with whatever interpretive lens occurred to me as I was reading and then go back and read it again after reading his letter. Uh, certainly, I mean, there's a strong, strong case for, uh, you know, the Me Too being the primary theme here, especially the the horrible, not, you know, not just the objection to Me Too, but the abysmal reactions yeah, uh, yeah, to Me yeah. Too. And my favorite quote of his, uh, which, by the way, is highlighted in in the print edition, uh, says, I wrote this hoping that we all might think of the ways our sense of privilege has made us willing jailers in the prison that holds us. Um, which is actually a lot like the David Foster Wallace quote I read uh, in Flintstones Volume 2 about, you know, irony being the song of the the prisoner who's come to love his cage. Yeah. Um, and making us a real uh, aware that, you know, the robot, you know, razor balls resentment has created his own prison. Um, you know, he could be going about, you know, his job. He could have a better relationship with his uh, humans who are basically pets at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and all of this stuff, if he wasn't so bottled up with resentment and, you know, on the other hand, from the human side, I don't, I don't, maybe the message to the kids or something is they could have a more harmonious relationship if it weren't for their resentment. But I think he's also showing the absurdity of just going along with it because of, uh, sure, of uh, yeah. Donnie. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that to me is the complexity of it is, and, and I'm not sure every little thing is supposed to say something. 
as much as it is he's creating an experience. Yeah, and I think that, that that's kind of what I was trying to get at. The idea of of whether you know it or not, your 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 how you come into the story, what your viewpoint is, is going to affect what you take out of it. Like I said, I think the fact that you're a white male and I'm a non-white male. I think our, our we're going to read this, and I think we're going to see it coded more in in through a racial lens because that's I think I think right. it, it sticks out to us. That's what I'm saying. Maybe if we gave this to you know maybe a a a, a woman who reads this maybe sees more of it in specifically the Me Too because that's what they you know that maybe that's the lens that they view it through. Um, it, it, it kind of it, you know it, it reminds me a little bit of like the power of what the X Men are which is just the idea of it, it's the minority metaphor. And depending on where you're coming from, you see you it's coded to you in a different way. If you're a person of color or something like that, you're going to view it through a racial lens. If you are a member of the LGBTQ plus community, you're going to view it through right. that lens. If you're a religious minority, like you're Jewish or Muslim in a, in a, and uh, in, in a you know, Christian dominated country, whatever, you're going to view it through that lens. And those are all valid because it's set up in a way where you can identify each of those aspects. And I think what he's done here, what, what they've done in this book is, is created a situation, a, a just kind of a, an overall umbrella of, you can see the, uh, I don't know what I'm thinking about the, you, you can see the inequities of, 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 kind of the mistreatment and the biases, any way you're going, any way you're coming at it, you can see the me too aspect of it um in the way yeah, that, I mean, that women are believe are are or aren't believed or listened to uh in the way that they are shot down and 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 discredited you can see the 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 fraught race relations uh in in the way that you know the robots and the and the humans interact it it's all there for you to see and i don't think it's meant to be a a right or a wrong way you know like he's not obviously sure. saying that this is this is a allegory for for this type of discrimination or this type of situation i think he's he kind of put it he put it kind of all in one stew the the genesis being that initial hashtag in relation to me too but i don't think he's trying to do a specific this is about this is specifically about that it's about putting all those things and everything that kind of society had been going through at the time that he he was developing and writing this and you know 2019, 2020 kind of thing, all those things, how fraught everything was, throwing it all in there. So you can kind of see a reflection of of any number of those, depending on what your maybe what your viewpoint is or how you decide to look at it, you know? Right. I mean, and I think yes, a hundred percent on all of that. And even as you were saying that, I was starting to just go through the same arguments that I just went through with. Uh, you know, Slicetron and Crush Lord. And if you sub in, uh, you know, a male employee who was, you know, sexually abusive at work, the arguments would have been exactly the same. Yeah. And I think the point of the book is it's not even about those. It's about the response to those. Yes. And yeah, it's, a, think, it's yeah. about the, the like the defensive, toxic, uh, trying to flip it, you know, or trying to deflect by saying, uh, well, you know, Sure, those things will happen, uh, but on the whole, you have it pretty good, you know, with the arrangement we have uh, with me in charge. Um, And, you know, I think of the, you know, the the razor balls and the old generation of robots uh, in a lot of ways as being like the uh, and I don't 
I I don't like speaking in broad strokes like this, but like the non-college educated white men who feel like, oh no, I'm losing my job. I'm losing power in society. And they operate from a scarcity mentality yeah, because they can't see anyone else do well. Because if you do well, you're taking it from me, yeah. which because, is not how the world because, works. Be, but, because the way it used to be, you know, the way that my dad and his dad you know, you could you 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 could you could do what I did and make a living with it. Now I can't, which means someone's taken it from me. Not that simply the world has advanced and things have changed. It's because, well, if they could do it back then, back in the day before we had all these all these other changes that they think have affected their situation when really it isn't at all. But right. Yeah. I they, mean, and that's... they're looking for something to blame as to why <laughs> their station in life isn't what they think it should be, because it wasn't what their father was and their father was and their father was. Yeah. And, and so that, I mean, and that's where my mind went with the razor ball. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I mean, I think it's impressive because it's a it's definitely a criticism of that. Yeah. But I also think there's a stroke of empathy in there. Like, hey, man, I like yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, when when Donnie goes and tries to talk to him and says, you know, but I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. The others, well, there's no other way to put it. They're afraid of you. Uh, but I want, but I know what it feels like to be replaced, to feel inadequate. And <laughs> Razorball says, "I am not inadequate. I am the robot of this house, and I'm worth more than the rest of you combined." Yeah. Like, isn't this like? It's like Huck Finn's dad talking. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it's it's like who who, in my understanding. Um, of of Mark Twain, Huck Finn's dad was supposed to be the reverse of the American dream because he like sticks a newspaper down in front of Huck and tells him to start reading it. And Huck starts reading it. And his dad is just appalled. He's like, oh, they taught you to read. They totally ruined you. Like, because it was basically like, you think you're better than me? How dare you be better than me? Uh, And, you know, at that stage in our country's history, the American dream was for your kids to have it better than you had it. Yeah. For your kids to have a better education, have a better life, have better earning potential, have uh, you know more safety and comfort and uh, enjoyment and happiness. And Huck Finn's dad was like the repressive opposite of everything the country valued. Sure, sure. sure. Um, and he says, I'm the only one keeping his family afloat. Don't you forget it. Uh, he's like, okay, I didn't mean to upset you. And you know, he says, just go away. And so he like forces himself into isolation, Razorball does, mm-hmm. which is unnecessary. Like he's got people around him who not love him. They they do care about his well being on some level. Uh, well, it, 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 well, at this point, they care about it in a selfish way because they feel that if sure. his if if his um if his well being deteriorates, that could have a direct negative effect on their well being. In that they're fairly convinced that he's going to kill them. Um, you know, he's going to glitch as it were. So yeah, no, but I, it, 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 it would be it, the, I guess the, the, the argument would be then, um, had he been, had everyone been more agreeable when the arrangement started, you know, if everyone had been on the same page to begin with that, there could have been a different relationship to this. Um, but you know, I guess yeah. the, the, the way I read it is that, um, one or probably both of the parties weren't willing to do that. The kids weren't, the wife wasn't, Donnie was, but Razorball wasn't either. You know, so if both sides, neither side thinks this is good, both of them think they're simply stuck together because they had to be 
you know, that they there was no effort made to try and do anything, try and do anything more. There was no effort made right. to try and have any sort of relationship. Um, so now when we get to the point where we are in the story that th- that bridge is so far burned, it, it can't, it's not even a possibility anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, and hmm. I'm, I'm going to leave that at that because yeah. that's, I mean, that's, yeah, we, we've nailed that. Sven and Cora, I do want to talk about. Sure. They're uh, a little underbaked. Uh, they don't get bit. quite the screen time I'd like, uh, but still some potent stuff and definitely an important aspect of this Yeah, as they are drawn to the hairdressers, which is the only job left for humans yes. uh, and it's secret code for rebellion. Yeah, the underground. <laughs> and speaking of code, Sven complains that, you know, uh, he has no idea why he's being educated yeah. and he thinks the whole point of his education is that they don't know what to do with him. And uh, someone says, oh, you should just learn to code. And he said, learn to code is a weird way of saying your society has failed you, which this whole conversation does not need 30 years to come to fruition. Uh, I have so many friends who have uh, bachelor's and master's degrees not working in the field they were trained in and ended up learning to code. Um, I myself have changed, not not because society has failed me, but just because you know life changes, but I have left the fields that I studied in bachelor's and master's and I did learn to code and work in web development now. Um, so I can't imagine how much more true that will be, you know, as we progress and as we really see the dawn of like automation and, you know, well, yeah. some form of artificial intelligence, hopefully not like Skynet. Well, or, or, or at least on this level, think about what it is to, to, what that what that line how that line hits now versus in a world like this where you know we are now subservient to robots in general but you're going to learn to code you know like right. that's that that's what you're that, that's what your job is going to be being taught to do in in this universe where 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 you know like where like old robots less- who can code better than you are yeah. now in charge of telling you if a bathroom's occupied yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah hilarious yeah. job by the way, real bummer for uh, that bot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. Um, but yeah, so they, you know, they go to these underground meetings that I, I guess lead to the riots eventually. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, the whole are- rioting thing wasn't super interesting to me, aside from the talking bot vantage point on it. Yeah, I think I think I think I, th- I think that's meant to be the case. I think yeah, Sven and Cora are a little underbaked. They're they are more they're a little more plot devicey, and I think they're meant to be kind of the the Greek chorus specifically to Donnie. Like they're meant to point out to their father like how absurd it is. They're meant to just be the reactionary of like, um, you know how how far radicalized, how far gone their father is. But a- outside of that, they don't have much characterization. I think we we see far more with with Donnie and Cheryl with the parents in terms right. of their reaction to to both Razorball and the situation and and everything that's arising. Um, they have a a a a more outside view of like the, the 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 riots in the underground versus like Sven and Cora who are like in it. I think I think they're they feel a little more just kind of like plot movement to like hey we got to get to a different place here we got to see you know because we, we kind of have those simultaneous like we follow snowball oh, razor ball whatever snowball to like the the robot underground meeting right the ones that right. are like we're not gonna be replaced that's that's 
um, juxtaposed with with the underground humans about talking about how they, you know, don't want to be replaced or have been replaced and all that. So th- I think it's more just to get us into that other side of the story. Um, but yeah, as characters, they're a little, they're a little thin. They're a little one note. They're, they're just kind of glib smart. They have the answers, you know, you, you, you read what they have to say. And like, they're the most like sanely human. You're like, okay, yeah, I agree with that. You know, there's nothing objectionable about that. They're not meant to be. I mean, be they, yeah, they're kind of more. our avatar. Yeah, you know, if yeah, we were yeah. dropped into this. Yeah. That's a good point. They're, they're very much the 2022. Yeah, yeah. They're very much the modern day look at, Hey, isn't all this really kind of stupid, stupid and absurd. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're the yeah. ones that um, object to eating protein globules, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which uh, very much reminded me of the matrix. Um, yes. You know, uh, the yeah. matrix would have programmed it to yeah. taste like chicken. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. So uh, again, the central thing here are the arguments. The, the other one that I had here is, you know, Slicetron, he likes to absolutize every argument. So, you know, when she points out the the issue with the glitch rates, he says, oh, so you want to live in a world without us? And it's like, what you know, it's either you're criticizing all of us or none of us, which is an insane position for a Slicetron to take. And and that's exactly what started this book for Mark Russell is seeing men who presumably have not committed sexual assault standing up for. Like, how dare you criticize men who are guilty of sexual assault? I'm a man. And it's yeah. like, right, but we're only criticizing the ones who've done bad things. If you've done bad things, then I think the criticism is fair. And if you have it, then the criticism isn't about you. And it, it, it's it's you also, it, 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 it you would think it applies to policing as well, you know? Exactly. Oh, the yeah. idea of like, um, we're talking about the the cops that that like, you know, murder unarmed black people. Um, if you haven't done that, we're not talking about you. Um, right. But yet, but you're going to go to the mattresses to defend them because you're cops, you know? Um, like, is that what it is? Like, so it, it, it it's the same sort of that, that ridiculousness of going to that extreme of being like, oh, it's either this or nothing. I mean, you turn on any news channel. That's that's all it is. I, you know, they go talk to a therapist, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they will tell you that you're you're absolutizing or you're doing like a, I forget what the term is. Um, I only know this because my therapist told me, <laughs> but it's like a partial selective abstraction. Uh, you know, where you're taking something that you know may apply to ten percent of something and making it the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and that 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 becomes your entire that becomes the because because once you do that like that's that's like an inarguable position you know right yeah because she's not arguing against all robots yeah uh, and he's defending against all robots which means they're not even talking about the same thing and that's exactly. almost always what happens and, and 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 that's every every hot button issue that is debated in this country across political lines is, is, is done that way. It's presented in that way, which, which makes all debate and discussion about it pointless because once you've done that, once you've retreated to that corner, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't right. get yeah, someone because, out of it. You can't because have you're not talking about the You're talking across yeah. each other. Yeah. And, and I think the really scary thing in society is like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm uh boy, 37. Uh, I don't, I had to do math. I probably didn't do it right. No, that's correct. Um, I'm 37. I don't really remember a time when politics wasn't like that. 
but I do remember a time when like sports and comic book movies weren't like that. (laughs) And I mean, and the fact that not only does that like cancerous form of argument persist, uh, it spreads. Uh, So now, you know, that's a really good point. You know, if we go, if you or I go talk to like Zack Snyder fanboys about a movie and, you know, they will invent some corner to camp out in to defend a movie that they love. And I don't like really like wasting my time talking about things I don't like. I just don't like them and move on. But, you know, if I try to say, well, like, here's some problems. It's like storytelling or film or whatever. It does not take long before we're not talking about the same issue anymore. Yeah. And and they learned that arguing tactic from uh, cable news punditry and and politicians who uh, obfuscate. And uh, I mean, uh, the dream for me is, you know, that like season seven debate in the West Wing, uh, the Santos uh, Arnie Vinick debate. Oh, the, Where, the, the 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 live the live, yes, the, the live the, episode the, right the, tr- the, the real debate the true actual debate the live like, episode yeah the, the yeah. one that like bradley woodford that makes the show liberal porn yeah uh, you know it's just like what every liberal dreams uh yeah. politics would be like because there are there's like one issue where they agree on it and they're like yep i agree can't distinguish myself there move on yeah. uh and then there's another issue where it's like uh do you support this and one of them says yes and the other one says no and they move on. It's like w- there's no middle ground on that issue. Just move yeah. on. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 there's no middle ground there. But we understand we're talking about the same thing. And and you know, you you when you mentioned that about how you know that it, it does feel like the, that for the vast majority of our lives. I'm a little older than you are, but yeah, politics have always been that way. But yeah, when you're talk when you start talking about fandom, like I, the first thing I thought of was like you mentioned, you know comic book movies and and things like that and then the first thing i thought of was like yeah star wars wasn't this way but now this is what star wars is like the debate the discussion right. of star wars is the is the discussion of any other topic um because you're right the the same tactics that are used on on the worst cable news shows on the the, the worst presentation of 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 discussion right the worst presentation of 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 debate you know that's not well, actually the, debate the difference all is, is being, it's all filtered down to everything it's filtered down to to every aspect of 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 life of culture it should you know sports are that way um movies music a- anything is that way any fandom is that way and and that's really kind of sad um but entirely well the, i think entirely the, true the sad and ironic twist in all of that is that the thing it's all based on which was you know talking heads or even political stump speeching or debates or whatever are primarily modes of entertainment. Um, yeah. And it's entertainment that keeps you around by pissing you off or making you feel vindicated and validated. And, uh, you know, as a serious rhetorical device, our society has adopted entertainment as its strategy. Um, we've conflated those two things together. The idea of of what we're watching, yeah, it, it's um, it's like sports talk radio is the same way, right? It's if you oh my you, gosh. you, you take There's... a hardline stance because the people that agree with you are going to keep listening, um, and the people that disagree with you are going to keep listening so they can yell at you. Look, it, we are it, in and... a heated quarterback controversy right now at the University of Cincinnati, yeah. and if you 
if you say, oh, uh, that wasn't a very good looking pass uh, on that play, three other people will immediately jump on you and be like, oh, so you think backup quarterback would have done it so much better? And it got to the point where the first basketball game came on the other night and uh, there's this dogmatic bunch of defenders who were like, if you know, if eight wins and two losses isn't good enough for you, then you could just get the hell out of our fan base or something. And I'm like, I never said I wasn't happy with that. I'm just saying, like, I don't think they're playing their best ball right now. But like the basketball team came out and uh people were like, Well, how come I'm not gonna name college players' names here, especially since that'll date the podcast. But yeah. the the other fans were like, Oh, I wonder why the backup quarterback isn't in the basketball game. He could surely, you know, have a triple double. And it's like, oh my gosh, no one even now you're like just making parodies out of everything all the time because you don't know how to say anything earnest. Because that's what the discourse is. And, and, and right. The discourse is mocking. And the only one who loses is the person who's sincere. Or tries yeah, to move yeah. the ball forward. Then there, there, there's there's no room for sincerity here, and I think that's that's what we see in in the book here. I, I think I think Cheryl is probably the most sincere character, the mother, right? She she's the one who sees things clearly, but also has an. And she knows how to play her hand. Yeah, she 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 she, she, she unlike the the kids who maybe are are. Not that they've not that they haven't accepted like they understand this is the world they live in, but there's still a rejection of like you know um, going to the underground and 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 understanding this not how the world should be. Cheryl has this sense of like she's accepted this is what it is, but she sees everything very clearly. Like she has that sit down um, with 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 Razorball when she's basically like, listen, like we, we understand what's going on here. The doors are unlocked. You're probably going to kill us. If that's what it is, that's what it is. Like she basically lays her cards on the table and be like, "I'm going to be completely open and honest with you. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I this is what I feel about the situation. What I feel about you. What I think what's happening in the world. You know, I think she is the clearest on that. She is the most sincere character because she understands. Um, she hasn't been radicalized like like her husband. Um, but nor is she, but she, she has some wisdom experience that maybe her kids don't have. Yeah, and kids are a bit she, reckless in the rebellion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and her argument at the end of the book, uh, you know, in her, her justice system, which can we yeah. talk about how hilarious it is to its <laughs> yeah, sort of flash drive? Yeah. When, when her, 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 yeah her, her trial. Yeah. Her defense. Um, trial. Yeah. 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 But you know, when she says, you know, I acted in self-defense. And the the robot says self-defense is not a legal defense under the algorithmic justice code, which we need to talk about. Yeah. Uh, He goes on to say it is merely your self-pitying way of saying uh, that you traded the life of one productive citizen for four pointless ones. And she says, we're not pointless. You just consider all robots indispensable because theirs is the only work you value, which in turn allows you to imagine that you're superior to us. And I suppose this has been the problem from the very start, the foundational crack in civilization that has always set us against each other. And I have to turn the page, uh, mistaking productivity for value. Bam. Yeah. I mean, that's used. You got your 10 bucks right there. Yeah. On the, that's like four panels. And to me that that's the whole ball game right there. And I think that is, uh, perhaps not uniquely, but dis- certainly distinctly American mentality 
is mm-hmm. uh, conflating productivity with value. Yeah, uh, oh, you know, we value someone because they're productive. And by the way, speaking of productivity, the head of Mandroid uh, sure looks a lot like Jeff Bezos to me. <laughs> uh, Jeff I'm Bezos sure wearing Doctor Evil's clothes. I'm sure that was completely unintentional. I'm yeah, sure well, they're. I, I don't know what I would like better, whether it was intentional or whether it was Freudian. (laughs) I don't know which one uh, gives me gives me more pleasure, but uh, both of them do. Um, But but her speech here at the end is really like an underlying thing about, okay, well, here's actually the cause of all of this resentment is that we're mistaking productivity for value. uh, And we assume we have this utilitarian view of uh, of all living things and people and robots uh, based on their value. And we only factor one thing into their value and it's their productivity. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, have their midlife crisis or career change and things like that. And they lose their sense of self when they are not being productive in the way that they're used to being. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was like professionally in school for like, Basically, until I was 30. Um, and, uh, you know, when I went into the full-time workforce without, you know, getting educated all the time, it felt like, oh, I kind of miss, like, you know, having the structure of the semester and the syllabus and the assignments. And I'm used to writing papers and going off and doing research. And, uh, you know, now I just work until five every day and stop. And uh, yeah. it, was, it was a strange feeling because that wasn't, the sense of productivity that I really started to value myself on. Um, so, I mean, uh, just another salient point from this book. Yeah, um, no, and I, I, and I agree. I think that that is that is the thesis. That's where that's where the hammer drops, and and you know, it's this big impassioned speech, and it's undercut by the judge saying, "Oh, I made my verdict." <laughs> 3.2 seconds into your speech, you yes. know? So the, the, the idea that she gives this very impassioned speech and, and none of it matters to the robots. Right. You know? And it's based on the algorithmic justice code. Now yes. I want to talk about that for a second. Sure. Uh, and I'm, I know we will get into like issues of justice and what I, justice means. Well, I, in I, other I, books. Wonder, I, I wonder if this specifically reminded you of the same thing it reminded me of um, given our shared fandom. Oh, go wait. The, no, the, I, idea, I, the, the idea of an algorithmic justice system, it, it reminded me of mandatory minimums from the West Wing. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, it, it should have. Again, the, the argument in that episode being that, oh, we have to have, you know, we have to have specific um, penalties for specific crimes because, you know, we're, we're, we're not trusting judges or, or people to make to make decisions on this. So, it you know certain 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 things trigger you know you know a minimum sentence here the idea that that it's a rubric that you're not you know you're 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 not judging the crime or the person anything like that so it's the idea that you are the end of an equation essentially you know right. that yeah oh you did you did this this and this ergo boom this is what you get and there's no there's no there's no questioning what got into that uh you know what goes into making that algorithm what goes into making that um that that equation and I think we're, we're we're getting that here. The idea that you know, well, especially when you get into like the new Jim Crow, yeah, um, which you know talks about the the differences between uh, cocaine that white people use and the yeah. cocaine you know, and and, yeah. uh, and the crack algorithm can't yeah. be questioned, right? It's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, are you using crack cocaine or are you using yeah. you know, 
so because, because you have to question whatever biases go into making the algorithm what goes into the equation to 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 to, to spit out your 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 verdict and and that's what that is what Cheryl is talking about here the idea of this algorithmic justice system here is is starting from the idea that humans are useless you know right. that, that, that that they're pointless they have no value and that's what she's calling out so meaning that the that nothing can be fair in that eye because because that's the implicit bias in your in your data so everything's filtered through that so you're not getting some pure objective um um well uh, and result. my thing and I'll I even come at it from the slightly opposite direction, even though I agree with all of that in season one of the West Wing, still one of the best, you know, yeah. mandatory minimums. I'm pretty sure that's where that is. Oh, yeah, one yeah, I, it was season one. I think it was, um, it's early. Lies, damn lies, damn lies and statistics. I think it was. Oh episode. yeah. Then that'd be in the late teens. I think anyway, yeah, it, it, it's late in the first, first season, but um, yeah, anyway, continue. I would come at that from the other side and say, um, this this idea that justice should be um Blind. i don't well you use the word fair yeah. um and fair introduces a great deal of subjectivity and um like the goal of justice should not it should be harmony right creating a harmonic yeah a harmonious society and i think a lot of people think that justice is you know, every action has the same consequence. Yeah. Um, even if, yeah, or, or punishment. Yeah. And, um, I guess the issue with that is, you know, I had a friend, uh, who is, uh, you know, a couple decades older than me, who's got three kids and he was talking about like how the most just thing for him to do as a parent is not treat all three kids the same. He said, you know, each kid has different needs. And, uh, you know, if I make the rules for everyone based on the first kid, they're all based on the first kid's need. And the the middle child, uh, you know, is a totally different personality type, totally different temperament, uh, you know, has different skills and, um, you know, excels in different areas, but struggles in other areas. And if all of the policies in our household are made for the first kid, that second kid will suffer greatly. And that's not me being just as a father. And so to me, you know, the algorithmic justice, which I think a lot of parents are tempted to fall into, which is, uh, well, we have to make it exactly the same for all three kids. Uh, is, it's just bonkers. I mean, that's, that's the way a robot would think. Yeah. And it, you know, I, as you're saying that it reminds me of, um, you see this meme oftentimes I've seen it before the, the difference between, equity and, and equality yes with the gate or the fence and there's with, like with the someone fence. standing yeah. on it and someone yeah. holding it, someone up yeah and, you you, you, yes. you have three people of different heights and you know the, the idea that um you know what is what is uh equality is is giving them all the same box to stand on but that doesn't help the people who can who are still blocked by the fence you know right. equity is then giving the people with the greater need what they need to be equal as opposed right. to giving everyone the same thing. So yeah, it, it is that idea. Um, well, and I think there's even one that pushed it one further that said yeah, like, the solution justice of, of, is removing uh, the fence. Uh, removing yeah. the fence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, make it yeah. So, so anyone so at any can height see can see. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, no, and that's exactly, that's exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think that's what a robot will never understand about justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
you know, bearing in mind that the robots were programmed by people initially. Yeah, well, uh, it, you know, it, it's, is, it's, it, it is something that humans struggle with, with the right. idea of of, equi- of 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 equality and 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 equity. Yeah, so I think uh, she makes that point, you know, very cogently, very effectively. But it, yeah. you know, it does not register because doesn't matter at the all. The decision yeah. is made before she's finished yeah. with the first panel. I think it's when she says we're not pointless is when he's already made up his mind. Uh, yeah, uh, and probably then she so. does this beautiful speech. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I got to say. Uh, you know, we talk about comic endings a lot, and that's not like the last page. Mm-hmm. But there are times where uh, almost always a story like this is not going to end with a huge, you know, two massive armies running toward each other, clashing. It's going to end with some speechifying. Yeah. And this was top notch, stick the landing uh, speech uh, at the end of a thing. And, you know, I think of. I think of like uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. I love the content of like Sam Wilson's speech at the end of that, but it was so heavy handed and it was so long winded. Yeah, uh, that it was just like ah, it's it a near land. miss. It didn't. Yeah, quite it's land. a near yeah. miss, uh, and it was like missing in a good direction. Whereas this was like he doesn't bask in it. He doesn't like take too long. Mm-hmm. He gets in and he makes his point, and then yeah. you know the the story keeps moving. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say. Well, also because it it, it 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 is this big speechifying, it is a big thesis, but it isn't actually the end of the book, you know. No, like, no, there's more, yeah, more after yeah, that, and she yeah. has, she has the final caption at the end. Yes, uh, yeah. I believe she's the one narrating. It basically has to be her. Um, you know that she says, uh, "All that's left to is to abandon the past before it strangles us and build something new," mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is you know very similar beat to Flintstones. Um, yes yes you know ab- abandon these old junky institutions that are holding yeah. us back yeah and build something you got a question new. you got a question why we have these institutions we got a question why they exist why they per- why they persist and and are they serving their purpose and are they staying yeah. in their lane uh yeah. you know which yeah, we, yeah. in flintstones yeah. we talked about uh religion versus bad religion and science yeah. versus yeah. bad science and yeah. and uh, here it's just things. the it's the absurdist idea of of overthrowing your robot overlords as it were you know yeah as as that's your metaphor for 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 everything happening in society but you know it it, it 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 makes for an interesting parallel i think with with flintstones in terms of like i think just how kind of how laser focused this is and i think something that um we, we had mentioned um in the zero episode is that i i wonder i, I would be interested i would have been interested to see what this specific topic the uh you know the not all men the all lives matter that specific sort of idea that that resentment idea how he would have done that in an in a issue of the Flintstones you know because they they kind of talk about it a little bit but it, right. it, it, it be, because it it hadn't been this sounds terrible but this is society because it wasn't a huge it wasn't a huge societal topic in, no, I mean in he 20, could he was likely aware of it. Yeah, but, and he could but, have called attention to it, but, but because, it wouldn't have had the traction. Yeah, be, be, because because this comes out of again, um, it isn't like women just started experiencing sexual harassment and sexual abuse in 2019 when Me Too happened. That was it coming to light and being open about it. It wasn't like, um, right. unarmed black Michael Brown and Ferguson bo- was yeah, not the first unarmed black man. Yeah, yeah, to be killed. It was and, the straw it, that it, broke the camel's yeah, back. George Floyd, all you know. The, the, it didn't just happen in 2020. That's what it brought to the forefront. So these those ideas came forward into 
large societal prominence after Flintstones had wrapped, but they are the exact kind of issues that Flintstones would have tackled. And so I, I, I would be curious to see how we would have taken that and how, what the Flintstones spin would have been on that, because it would have been, you know, different tone, different angle, you know, it, 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 with, with that art style and, and the brighter colors and, and, and what that mirror would have been like, um, through, through, the characters of, of, of bedrock. I think it would have been interesting because um, I don't think he would have spent five issues on it. You know, this is a long protracted story where he could let things really sit and really let them kind of marinate, uh, let those ideas really kind of set in. Um, so I, I would be curious to see, I, I would have been curious to read what that Flintstones issue would have been like if he had, if he had tackled these specific topics, I think it would have been very, very, very cool to see, but um, well, but I think there's a common thread there in terms of what would have happened. What would have happened is he would point to the problem. He would point out you know, specifically the problem underneath the problem yeah. and kind of point you in the right direction, but he doesn't handhold and he doesn't tell you what to believe instead. Uh, you know, saying this great climax of saying, you know, the problem is mistaking productivity for value. He doesn't then go on for five pages to tell you, well, here's all the things that make value, mm -hmm. you know, for a person. This is how we value uh, sentient beings in our society. Uh, and it's all of this criteria. You know, that's the job of a philosopher, in, in my opinion. And uh, he doesn't do that. He gives you the question. He gives you the right question to chew on. And that's what he did again and again in the Flintstones was, uh, you know, uh, you you had to chew on the question of, you know, politics and religion and science and uh, all of these other things. And uh, and the the thing that kept popping in my head, and this is going to sound crazy, is Nolan's Batman trilogy. Uh, because Nolan's Batman trilogy, in my mind, was a quest for Bruce Wayne to understand what justice is. Uh, we start in Batman Begins. He's a young man bent on revenge, uh, you know, takes the gun to the trial tries to kill someone, Rachel's you know, chewing him out. She said, you know, justice is about harmony. Revenge is about making yourself feel better, which is why we have an impartial system. Razel Ghoul tries to mentor him and says, uh, justice is about balance. You burned my house and left me for dead. Consider us even. Uh, then, uh, you know, the Joker says, you know, you know what's fair? Chaos. And Two-Face says, you know what's fair? Uh, um, chance. chance uh, yeah. And so it's like, He's got villains saying, you know, chance is the only thing that's impartial and fair. Uh, chaos is the only thing that's impartial and fair. Ra's al Ghul says, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Lex Talionis, uh, the classic um, uh, ancient world system of justice. Mm -hmm. And Rachel in the first movie is the one saying, oh, it's about harmony. And that's that doesn't get a simple bumper sticker. That's a really complicated thing to pursue. Um, but Bruce... Uh, and then, you know, they just totally abandoned that whole theme for the third movie, just like yeah. many of the ongoing themes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think about that a lot because I thought, you know, that was kind of smuggled into another work. And it's kind of smuggled in here, too. Uh, it's like, you if you want to take this work seriously and really reflect on the things it's causing you to reflect on, you have to start wrestling with what the idea of justice is it's something people most people take for granted and i think most people have something probably closest to like the eye for an eye tooth for a tooth uh the algorithmic sense of justice uh 
that the robots have here because they've not examined it, which is why, you know, the the fence metaphor and everything is great. Because I I think that what I think part of that is that's the knee jerk reaction, right? That's the that's the base gut reaction in terms of you did this to me or this happened to me. Ergo, I should be allowed to do the same to you. Right. Or, Or 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 this happened to me. Thus, this should happen to you. Whether or not you did it to me, who, whether or not who's responsible right. for it, this thing happened to me, and that wasn't—I don't think that was fair. Therefore, it should happen to everybody else. And on top of that, they should not have it better than me. They should suffer the same as I did. I had to go through this, you know. So it, 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 that is the idea of justice to them. That's fair to them, and that's that's such such an entrenched idea in our society um that i think they're they're really kind of they're, they're they're trying to poke holes at here that they're right. they're one of the more so you're right one of the big ideas um they're trying to focus on i think that's a that's a good it's, i mean it's that, that idea that you know the I like an that. eye for an eye makes the whole world blind yeah uh you know that the policy of revenge as your functioning system of justice will lead to counter relations rather than peaceful resolutions and uh you know a systemic policy of revenge and retaliatory justice uh, makes the state as culpable and guilty as each individual person and, yeah. and as petty. Yeah. Um, like if, if an eye for an eye was the right way to do it, I wouldn't need a government. I wouldn't need a justice system. I wouldn't need police. Yeah. As soon as somebody doesn't need me, I just go do it to them. Yeah. And who can say anything against me? Obviously that's not right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the quest to figure out what is right, is he doesn't answer for us, but he points us, I think, in the right direction mm-hmm. by pointing out what's not helpful, which is yeah, yeah. retaliation, resentment, yeah. spite, um, yeah. you know, constantly with the scarcity mentality, worrying about what everyone is taking from you. And I mean, and it, that basically hits the end of my notes. I mean, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's you're right, right where I, I want to land. I, I, I love the idea of him saying you're pointing out the things that don't work and the, the things you're pointing out are all the things that we're doing now. That's and what he's doubling showing. down on. Yeah. The, the, I mean, yeah. like the, he's, he's painting this as a trajectory. You know, yeah. Again, yeah. goes to Christmas future. Like yeah. you guys, not only do you do this, yeah. the rate at which you do this. And, and as you and I discussed earlier, how pervasive it is. Uh, you know, it used to be just talking heads on TV. Now everybody does it. Uh, and not just with politics, but with sports and entertainment and everything. Every facet of, of culture of life. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all that being said, you know, maybe Twitter is the problem in the world. Um, as we record this, uh, it's it's certainly no better than it was when he wrote this. But Twitter has been the place for people to argue with strangers in yeah. this exact uh, yeah. form of rhetoric. This is true. This is true. Well, I mean, social media has been that has been a, a great accelerant on oftentimes what are the worst things there are there, there as with all things. It's not all bad. There are some really good things out there, but it has definitely um, been an accelerant to some of the worst things, uh, uh, some of the worst things on on the internet and and out in society. So yeah, maybe uh, so it, it, this is this is the kind of thing that they're they're that they're trying to warn us against, or maybe not warn us against, but at least uh, you know alert us to. And if we're if we're able to see it before it's too late, maybe we can. Maybe we can save ourselves, and I think that's the message of 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 both of these books. In the end, the idea that 
as bad as things are, there's a possibility. There's that little glimmer of, of optimism, right? We talked about it last week at the end of um, Blendstone's volume two, right? right? It was the idea that here are all the bad things. We're, show, we're, we're telling you and showing you all the bad things that are going on in this society, which reflect the things that are happening in our society. But there's still a glimmer. There's that little bit. There's a glimmer of hope. There's a little bit of optimism there. Um, and it's not, and you're right, he's not saying it's an op- it's it's not a glimmer of hope by doing the things I'm telling you to do. It's this glimmer of hope of being right. Like, he's not appointing if, himself our if new we leader. Can, if we can if we can stem the tide of these bad things here, maybe that's enough. If we can change the things that aren't working, the things that we're doing bad, the things that we he hopes we can agree on are the wrong way to go. He's pointing those out. If we can simply change that, maybe that's enough to to turn things around and, and put us on a better a better potential track. Um, and I think that's the kind of the big connecting point between these two books. Uh, you know, the only, the last note I have is w- w- as you were talking, I, di- I didn't think about this as I was reading, but um, when you, as we're going through that, the last bit of that speech that Cheryl gave to the, the automated judge talking about, um, you know, mistaking productivity for value, the idea that we all become obsolete, but the idea that we resent people who aren't as, economically useful as us and that's our trap you know that's a trick uh you know that this is not the way we treat things i was reminded of our discussion last week of that panel that fred says to to mr slate the idea of if civilization is going to amount to anything it's going to be because we learned one thing to care for people who mean nothing to us the idea that we're going to care for people and look out for people and we're going to judge people's worth simply because they exist Right. Not because they have anything useful to give us or we know them or anything like that. Not because um, they provide us a job um, or, or, or serve a utility like in not all robots or because they're 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 someone who's been working for us for 20, 30 years and we know them. The idea that we're going to treat people kindly and fairly, we're going to we're going to judge their worth, their value simply because they exist. That's enough right there, not because of what they do or what they are or, or, or what they provide to us or anybody else. That, I think, is the unifying theme. I said, that didn't come to me uh, as I was reading, but I think those two lines, one from Fred Flintstone and one from Cheryl here, yeah. um, are, are communicating the same idea. And I think that's, that's I think, maybe the big takeaway from these books that 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 Mark Russell and, and, and company are trying to give. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that spurred on one last thing. My favorite picket sign from the Me Too movement was, uh, you know, there were a lot of well-meaning people who made picket signs by saying, you know, uh, she is someone's daughter, she is someone's sister, mm-hmm. she is someone's mother. And somebody had taken that sign and scratched out all of the words except for she is someone. Yeah, And it was like, yeah. <laughs> stop defining her value like it's sad that you would make that sign thinking uh obviously a, some random woman will have no value to a man unless he reads that and realizes like oh that's a sister or that's a daughter or that's yeah. a mother like only in these roles where they're relatable to me does the person have value they're like no she is someone stop hard stop absolutely um, it, 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 it's like saying you know as the father of a daughter you know, as as someone as someone right. with kids, right. it's like, listen, I don't have kids. I'm not married, but you know what? I am. I'm a human being. You know what? Exactly. You know, yeah. I know. 
I'm a person and I know people. So that should be enough to provide empathy. If that's not enough for, if, 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 if it has to be qualified, then, then, then you should re-examine because maybe you're the problem there. So yeah, you don't have to say that because that's again, to, to bring it another way. That's like being like, listen, man, uh, I, I've got black friends, you know, I live right. in a diverse city. Like the, so, so listen to what I have to say next. And yeah, I'd like, like that's the, where you always brace yourself, right? Those qualify, like, yeah. Yeah. You, you shouldn't have to do that. And so, yeah, the, the idea that we, 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 we can only apply worth and value to, to, to a person, to humanity when we, when we, when we can fabricate to, a connection, right? Fan yeah. a connection or, or, or find worth in what they give to us is, is, is maybe that's the root cause of all the problems we have in society now. Um, and that, you know, maybe if we shine some light on that, if books like this can, you know, a silly comic book about the Flintstones or about robots in the future, if that can spark some conversation, I think that's, that'd be the ultimate goal. I think that's what they're, that's what someone like Mark Russell is trying to do with his books. And, um, it's, it's a lofty goal that, you know, hopefully more people will read and see, cause I think. I, I think in a lot of ways, maybe he's 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 right on that, that there's a chance that maybe he's more optimistic than I am about the world. I'm pretty overall, not so much a cynic, but yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a, you know, you see the problems. I mean, yeah, I, think I see the that's, problems and I, that's I, the right I, place I, to be in. I, I don't know how we can fix it, but he seems to believe he still has faith that it's possible. And I think that's it's a good reminder that as bad as things are, we have the capacity maybe to to change things uh, for yeah. the better. Well, and I'll tell you, I just started the first issue as we record this of Traveling to Mars, which is his latest book. And on the back of Not All Robots is a quote from Patton Oswalt, who, by the way, uh, has a lot of quotes out there for comic books, but yeah. has never recommended something bad. Uh, oh, no, no. He, he's he, 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 So he's uh, impeccable taste. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, he says this. He says, not all robots. Read his new comic and read everything Marco Russell does. He is brilliant. I can't. I mean, I can't say it any better. After doing Flintstones, Not All Robots, and uh, he's gifted us two new books since we started this project. Uh, just read everything he does. I need to go backwards and catch the stuff we talked about in the zero episode that was before he was on my radar. And uh, so that's what I'll be doing uh, this winter. Yeah, he's uh, he's someone that's going to make you think. He'll make you laugh. Uh, and then make you cringe, but ultimately, his books and the people he works with—they're—they're—they're um, they're, they're designed to make you think. They're designed to make you look at the world and maybe question um, why, not just we've been doing things, maybe why you specifically have been doing things the way you have been. And uh, it's a—he's uh, a rare case in comics right now, and uh, it's a nice voice to have because. Uh, you know, so much of it is just so much of it is just, you know, it's pretty vapid superhero jaunty stuff. And that's fine. But every so often you get something that makes you uh we both buy our think, fair share of it. I can see a Batmobile yeah, yeah. behind your head. Yeah, there 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 and there, there's a place for that. And there are a place for like incredibly serious um examinations of the world. Those work as well. But for someone to come at it from a satirical side, a humorous side, something that'll make you laugh, make it a little uncomfortable. That's a, that's a rare space he operates in. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with uh, Patton Oswalt to, to go read anything that anything and everything that he has written um, because he works with people that seem to get him and get the, get the, uh, get the angle he's trying to go for, get the, the viewpoint he's trying to get across, you know, trying to get the message that he's trying to, uh, trying to deliver. And uh, it works great. 
Yeah. All right. Well, with all of that, we will see you next season. Uh, whenever that is on the calendar, I've, we, uh, we've worked hard to schedule a few weeks out now. So I've lost track of it. But for you, it will be next week. Uh, we'll see you next week for another Zero episode and our next series. Uh, and until then, you know, keep reading. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, our website, storiedarks.com, where you can go back and find all of the series we previously covered, as well as usually a little taste of what's coming uh, on the horizon. So uh, be sure to check there, and thank you for listening. Peace.